The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. It is my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Mariana Hewitt. Mariana Hewitt is an original super influencer, a leading voice in social media with over a million followers who was named WWD Beauty's Influencer of the Year. She is also the co-founder of Summer Fridays, the clean beauty brand whose iconic jet lag mask became an instant Sephora bestseller and one of my favorites. A self-confessed beauty fanatic, Mariana was one of the first on the influencer scene when she started her blog back in 2012, sharing her beauty favorites, personal style, and travel adventures. Her warm personality and beauty expertise quickly built a loyal following and developed into today's close Summer Fridays community that the brand invites to share experiences and even weigh in on new products. Mariana is still obsessed with everything beauty and her social presence and video tutorials continue to influence a diverse international audience, inspiring women to find beauty in all things. Mariana, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Mariana. I'm so excited to talk to you. Where am I finding you? I am in Los Angeles in my living room where I've been for the last year. How are you doing? Or as I'd like to say, but how are you really? I'm, I'm good. I feel okay. I hit a pandemic wall a few weeks ago and I felt like we were reaching like a year of being into this and working from home. And it really hit me. And I think for so long I was go, go, go during the pandemic. And I was like, I got this. I'm working from home. This is great. I have a new like pace and schedule. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I feel really fatigued. I need to change up my schedule a little bit. So I think it was a little bit of the same for too long. And so I started getting back outside again, going on walks, sitting by my window, facing outside to have some natural daylight. And it's really been helping me a lot. So now I feel like a new motivation and, and groove and things. And so we'll see, hopefully we'll be getting back to the office, you know, sometime later this year. Yeah. I think that that's so true. I think a lot of people have hit a fatigue, but you know, have you found that there are those kind of like little natural boosts, whether that's sitting by the sunlight, like you said, or trying to spend a little bit of time outside. Was that something that you did beforehand? So I was really bad. One of my goals for 2020 was having work-life balance. And I felt like pre then I, I didn't have that at all. And so that was really important for me because I felt like, you know, in your schedule too, we're always on the go, different cities. There's always something you feel like you can't miss anything. And a silver lining of the last year was I was forced to have that for the first time. Then when I finally had this free time, I found that I wasn't doing the things that I said I didn't have time for before. So before I said, I don't have time to work out or go do these things because I'm so busy or I'm not home or I'm traveling, but okay, now I am home. And if I'm not doing those, then I'm just being 
lazy and I'm not doing those things because I, I don't really have an excuse now. And so I found when I actually made the time to go outside and go for a walk and move my body and do the things I always said I wanted to do, I actually did feel so much better. So when people talk about self-care and self-love and taking care of these things, it's not just like woo-woo, like it really does help me. And the biggest thing for me in the last year was having a really strict morning routine. And I've been so consistent with it. And it's probably the longest I've been consistent with something like this in my whole life. And one day last week, I woke up late. I didn't get to do my morning routine and I was so frazzled. I felt like I was rushing through the rest of my day. And so I said, okay, it really does make a difference in my day when I stop and take this hour for myself to like have a slow morning, have a slow start to my day. And it really does affect me. And so I'm hoping, you know, in a post pandemic world, I can continue to keep up with that. Obviously that leads me to two important questions. One of which is what is this morning routine? Inquiring minds want to know. So my morning routine, I wake up. The first thing I do is I make my bed. I used to wake up, roll over, look at my phone, lay in bed for like 15 minutes, a half an hour and like endlessly Mm -hmm. scroll. But now I actually get up and make my bed. And the reason why I make my bed is I was like, okay, who's going to see my bed? Like it doesn't really matter, but it's the largest area of room in your bedroom. And so if your bed is made, that's what the rest of your room and your space looks like. And so if the largest thing is messy, then you kind of have this like messy mindset through the rest of the day. So it's a small thing. I've done it every single day, all of 2021 so far. I haven't missed a day. So proud of myself. My parents would be so proud of me too. And (laughs) then after that, I walk into my living room. I sit on the couch. I do a transcendental meditation. So I do transcendental meditation two times a day. I always wanted to get into meditating, but I felt like I was trying all of these apps and things and nothing was working for me, but I knew there were so many great benefits to meditating. Every book I read, every podcast I listened to, people talked about these great benefits and I'm like, okay, I must be doing something wrong. So over like holiday break, that awkward time between Christmas and New Year's, I had off work. And so I took a transcendental meditation class, you know, they kind of pivoted during COVID and they have like a virtual that you can take and I learned how to meditate. And at first I'm like, oh my God, 20 minutes. I can't sit there for 20 minutes. And you want me to do this twice a day? I was like, this is insane. I can't sit still for 20 minutes. And now I do. And I can't believe that two times in my day for 20 minutes, I actually sit there. I'm not actively thinking of anything. I'm not scrolling. And the reason I like transcendental meditation is it's effortless and it's easy. So you don't have to do anything. It doesn't have to be anything. It's just like 20 minutes of like really like peace. And so that's really helpful for me. So then after that, I listen to a morning podcast. I usually listen to five things on USA Today. I get like my bite-sized news in the morning just so while I'm doing things, I know what's happening in the world. I love that it's really brief. And then I'll make a cup of coffee. I write in my gratitude journal. And then all of that takes me about an hour and then I'm ready to start my day. There you go. Did you get a TM mantra or a mantra rather? I did. I did get one. Are you holding it very close to the vest? I wonder if we have the same one because you know, there's only like less than 20, right? Yeah. So I took it and then my best friend took it at the same time as me. And then we were like, we wonder if we have the same one, but like, I can't tell you what it is. So like, maybe we do, maybe we don't, we have no idea. And then Mm -hmm. she was like, does it sound like this? And I'm like, I'm not telling you, but it's really just like a word. And so if you've never taken it before, if you don't know what it is, it might sound like, oh, this like mantra, it's like so weird. Like, what are you guys talking about? But it's really just a word and you really could just like make up something yourself if you don't go through the process of this. For me, even if it's not that mantra, but it's like another, sometimes a word that I'm thinking of for the day or like a word or feeling that I want to have or something I'm thinking of. Sometimes I'll just think of that instead. So I guess it's like my own like little variation of TM those days, but it's for me been the best one that I've found. 
You know, what's funny though, about the idea of the mantra is that the word itself, and I don't know if this is your word. And of course, I know you're not going to tell me, but it's not like an affirmation. So it's not like success balance, right? Like it's a word that doesn't have any particular English meaning to you. Yeah. And that's why I think I like it too, because I think what was happening was I was going through these other apps and things and it was like too much thinking. I'm like, I'm not even relaxed because I have to close my eyes and do this and body scan and think about this part of my body and think of these things. And I'm like, it was so active that Mm -hmm. I wasn't liking other forms of meditation. And that's why with this, it's just like, a word that just sounds like a sound. It doesn't have any meaning. So it's not, you're not associating it with anything. So when you're meditating, you really are thinking of nothing. You're supposed to have like no mantra and no thoughts. You're just supposed to like get to this place of that. And I feel like because I'm a hundred miles a minute from the time I wake up until I actually fall asleep, it's really nice for me to try to force myself to have 20 minutes twice a day to like not think of things. Yeah, no, I I think that that's why it's been helpful for so many people. The thing I was going to ask you was sometimes I'm reticent to start certain things because of the exact reason that you said, which is that you had been doing it pretty consistently. And then all of a sudden, the one day that you didn't do it, you really felt that change. And I'm almost not inclined to introduce certain things into my routine because I'm functioning now. And what if I start doing this? And then it's the one day that I don't do the body brushing and I don't do this, that it's like your whole day is askew. Well, it's a little like anything, like the comparison, like I think is a good example is like a diet, right? If you are eating all this food and you eat one salad, one salad's not going to like be this miracle weight loss, but it's like consistency, right? So like- I really wish it was. I really wish it was. Same. But if you're like doing anything consistently, whether it's the way that you eat, what you put into your body, your skincare, your body care, your meditation practice, whatever it is, if you miss something, like I- try to be easy with myself. It's a balance in some kind of way, but it's like, if I miss it one time, like great. Like in the month of January, I did every single day, twice a day. I didn't miss in February. I was lucky to do one each day and that was fine. And I'm okay with myself, but I know doing one is better than doing none. So I just try to be okay if I do skip those things, but because I noticed such a difference in myself, it was like, I want to try to continue to do those things because self-care isn't just like the fun stuff or like the beautifying stuff, but it's like those things where it's actually like work to like work on yourself to make yourself feel better. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. So tell me something fun. What was the last lie that you told? (laughs) Oh, there's a couple. I usually am always like, I got to go. I have to go because I find that like on Zooms and calls, it almost never ends unless someone ends it. And if not, it's like you'll be on a Zoom meeting and it just seems like it's going forever unless there's like a hard cut time. And in person, it was almost like a little bit easier to end the meeting. I feel like in Zoom, you just have to be like, all right, I got to go and then hang up because if not, you'll be on your computer all day and all night. Sometimes I actually do have to go, but sometimes I really don't. And it's just, I have to go means we got to, we shouldn't wrap this up. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to have to notice if you say you have to go today. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to know that it's not totally honest. On what occasion do you think it's okay to lie? You know, we all lie. Like I don't know anyone who doesn't lie ever and I think there are times when you it, it is white lies. They are helpful to the other person and so I think in scenarios of like people who are really busy is there's a lot of things like I, I just can't commit to and I have so much on my plate that sometimes I do have to like turn opportunities down. And I think because 
people have a difficult time hearing no, you kind of have to like cushion it a little bit. And I think if people were more like accepting to be like, okay, you don't want to do this thing. Like that's fine. Like no hard feelings, but because people don't deal with rejection that way, you kind of have to cushion it a little bit. So I think in those scenarios, it's okay to lie. If you're not really lying to hurt someone, but really lying to, you know, help somebody else's feelings so they don't get hurt. Although, you know, I recently saw this thing about, I think it was Elizabeth Olson saying that either was Mary Kate or Ashley, you know, one of the most important pieces <laughs> of advice that they had given her is that no is a complete sentence. And yes, my, my response to that is yes. And I would agree. And I think I feel that way. I have no problem with that, but it's the way that other people receive what does no mean. And to some people, when they hear no, their feelings are hurt or they're not taking it as like, I respect that you said no to this thing, but then they're upset or they hold it against you or whatever it might be like family, friends, professional, personal. So if people were more accepting of people saying no to things, then I think more people would probably use that as a true answer. I know. Well, that's something that I need to bring into 2021, which is just, like you said, we all have our boundaries and our limits and there's only so much time and there's only so much energy and interest. And so just no is okay on its own. And I think all women especially have been conditioned to, like you said, soften the blow and to make sure that it's not impacting someone's feelings. And I don't think men really have been conditioned to let people down easily in the same way. So it's something for us to think about. Okay, so let's talk about the notion of having it all. Is that something that you subscribe to as an idea? Yes and no. I mean, I think having it all is different to everybody. It's different in my own life from like the decades of my life. I think growing up, I thought I want to be married. I want to have kids by 30. I'm going to have a house. I'm going to do all those things. Well, I'm in my mid thirties now. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't live in a house. So it's like what I thought having it all was, was very different than what I have now. But what I do have now is a career I'm really proud of, a business that we own that we're really, really proud of too. And I have this other new having it all that was very different than what I thought it would be at this age. Right. Well, that's the whole conversation too, is what did you think that it would look like versus what does it look like to you today? And have you achieved any of those markers and realized that actually it was not as fulfilling as you thought? I think I've been really fortunate to have friends who do similar jobs as me or who are in similar like personal paths that I see myself going down. And they've been really forthcoming with information. And if it wasn't for the women in my life who were very honest with me about things, I think I would be disappointed. I think back in the day, people were like, oh, you have to get married. You have to do this. You have to have kids. You have to have all these things. But now my friends are like, having my kids are great. I love them, but like, wait as long as possible. They're, they're honest with me. They're like, wait until you're ready. Where it used to be like, you need to hurry up and do this because your biological clock. And so I think I'm fine being 34 now and not having kids because my friends have made me feel like it's okay. And I don't have to have this clock that is ticking that people want to remind you of all the time. And I think knowing that it's okay to do things later in life has made me feel more okay with it. And I think in LA too, it's like a little bit different. So I think here people are used to women having kids a little bit later, having untraditional like partnerships or relationships or the way that they progress in their life. And so I think because of women like that, that has helped me a lot. And I think it's also helped like my family understand why my timeline is a little bit different. And my, my parents are older. My dad's 83. My mom just turned 70. So my mom had me when she was 36. And so 
for her time, she had kids a lot later. So I think she understands too, where she prioritized her career and then decided to have kids later in life. And so she's okay. But now she's like, okay, you're getting to the age where I was. Right. (laughs) So it's just different now. Well, that's what I really like also about someone like Jen Atkin, who also just decided to welcome a baby of her own via surrogacy and really talked about wanting to destigmatize the idea of women putting off that portion of their lives to focus on their careers during the time where it takes to build brands and everybody's on their own schedule and nothing is better or worse. It's just sort of interesting because I think that society feeds us a certain idea of what having it all is supposed to look like. It's like, it's the career, it's the full life. And I think everybody who is sort of struggling with either can recognize that both of those things take such a full dedicated energy and that doing it all simultaneously is rarely, if ever, easy. Yeah. And I think we all fall victim to seeing what it's like on social. And it's like, we see our coworkers and friends and peers doing all of these things. And you're like, oh, should I be doing this? Like, I feel like in the last year, I saw every week, another one of my friends is having a baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I I still don't feel ready, but should I feel ready? Because everybody else is doing it and they're making it look so easy. Should I have this thing too? So I think it's using social media and the people that you follow to be inspired and happy for them, but not using it as like a comparison tool of like, this is what I need to be doing in my life by this certain time, because that's never the case. And then I also think you're only looking at highlight reels of somebody's life. And so you don't really know what the reality of that is like, you don't know if they're making it look easy, like they're having it all online, but really they're struggling behind the scenes. And I think now more people are more vocal about the struggles that they have and they're sharing the reality of things. But I even find myself being like, oh my gosh, this person is 10 years younger than me and they have a beautiful home. Like, why don't I have that yet? But I have to remember like it's different or I live in Los Angeles. They live in another state where you can buy a big house in this state. It's not the same here. And so trying my best not to compare my my life to other people. Oh God, that's a game, by the way, that like you can get, just get sucked down a rabbit hole. Did you see that SNL skit about Zillow and adults? This is me every day. This is I me. Go, I'm on Zillow every day. Or there used to be a thing in the New York Times, like what a million dollars gets you. And it was like a million dollars in various cities all over the country. And probably some of those homes like you're seeing on Instagram and then a million dollars in Los Angeles, you get like a one bedroom condo somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not apples to apples at all. It's insane. I think all of those things are really important to remember too, that it's not like for like, and it's important to remember when we are all doing that comparison game. One thing I love talking with people about is the idea of designing a life that fits you and not the other way around. And it's sort of in the ethos of what we're saying here is that you have to pursue your own path and everybody is on their own journey. And I wonder for you, tell me a little bit about growing up and what you envisioned your life would look like versus what people growing up around you, their reality was. Yeah. So I had a really like unique upbringing. I was born in Germany. Then we moved to California. Then we moved to Ohio and my parents got divorced. And so I was living in Ohio with my dad and my mom moved back to Germany. And so where most people have like a co-parenting in the same city, I was being co-parented like between continents. And so, you know, in Ohio, it was very much like one ideal, not a lot of diversity. A lot of people kind of just, you know, there's a path that you take, which is like most places where you stay there, you graduate, you get married, you have kids, and that's 
the path that you're on or like there's a lot of actually like really big brands that are based in Columbus, like limited brands. And so a lot of people end up working within those companies there. Like they go to Victoria's Secret or whatever is based there. And then my mom, I was going back and forth between Germany and Ohio. And there it was so diverse. There was so much culture on the weekends. We would go to London or Paris. I was around so many different people and languages. And then I was with my mom. And so I was with adults all the time. And so I started traveling by myself to Europe when I was six. When you were six years old, you got on (laughs) a flight from Ohio to what, to Germany? (laughs) My dad would take me to the airport. He would walk me to the gate. I would board the plane and then someone would take me to my connection because there's obviously no nonstop flights from Ohio to Germany. So I'd usually like connect in like DC or something and then go from there to Germany. Then my mom would pick me up at the other gate. And so I've always been like pretty independent since I was little and only child and really independent from when I was really little and always around adults. And so I was always just really comfortable and like all of these scenarios and situations. And like many divorced parents, I think you learn something from the situation. What I learned was my mom said, never rely on anybody for anything. Like you always want to be self-sufficient. So you're never like in a scenario where you're unhappy or whatever it is. And so my whole life growing up, I always knew I have to be financially independent. This is the most important thing. So for me growing up, that's what was important for me. And so, you know, eventually having a career where I could support myself. And so was always trying to figure out what to do or what it was. And I think that ultimately... I didn't know at the time would lead us to, you know, starting our own company. So I think in that sense, I did end up growing up to be who I wanted to be when I grew up. It was just maybe a different career path than I thought, but really what I wanted to be was Oprah, which still do. And like same, like she's just the best. And I loved that she could share the things she was passionate about with an audience and that she could share stories and that she had Oprah's favorite things. And I thought, okay, how can I share Mariana's favorite things? And at the time it was to become a TV host, which that ended up not being the path for me, but I ended up, you know, starting my YouTube channel and blog and Instagram. And because of the internet was able to have my own platform to share the things that I always wanted to do, but in a different way now. So instead of being on television and having a talk show, I could do it through Instagram or podcasts and then creating my own products. Well, you were really early to the quote unquote influencer space. So was that what attracted you to that lifestyle? Just the notion of kind of sharing your life with an audience? Yes. So it was never so much about sharing my personal life, but Mm -hmm. it was more about sharing the things that I loved. And so if you look on my socials, really, it's not overly personal, but I'm sharing things that I love, food that I'm eating, my favorite obsession, a product recommendation. And it's always been about like other things. You know, it's me telling you I love these things, but it's not necessarily me digging deep into like my personal life. I, I think because I always thought of it from like a business perspective of like, how can I use this for work? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went to school and in, in our journalism classes, we had to learn how to edit packages because they're like, if you want to work at a news station, They have no budget. You need to know how to write your own scripts. You need to know how to put them in the teleprompter. You need to go into the field, record a piece by yourself, come back, edit the piece and have it ready to go on the news. And so I learned Final Cut Pro when I was in college. And so that came in handy when I started a YouTube channel and had to edit my videos myself. And so all of these skills that I learned early on, I ended up being able to apply to to starting that. And then I think from working, I was doing like entertainment and then I was doing fashion and beauty news. 
from doing that, I learned telling a story and putting together stuff and like the flow of an episode or the flow of like a video. And then really thought about things from like an SEO perspective. So at the time when I started YouTube, it was like about celebrity looks for less or like recreating celebrity looks, which is a little bit different than now. And so being like, okay, if it's a Kylie Jenner makeup look, how can I do this? And then people are going to be searching for it, which will get more people there. And that really came from like the professional background that I had. Right. That's so interesting. And how do you feel like that whole space has evolved over the last few years since you initially launched? It's very different. Right. Because there was so much more of a white space when you started. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think there was a handful of people before me. It was like Ami Song, Chriselle, Sincerely Jules. And that was really it. There weren't a lot of other people who are doing it as a job yet. So I didn't fully understand or know that it would be the career that I have today. And so I think then there was no map. There was no career path to see like what to do, who to work with, like how to negotiate things. And so there was a lot of figuring it out where now I feel like, yes, it's more competitive and people aspire to be an influencer as a career now, where I think when I started, that wasn't really what people were doing. But I think now there are so many resources to learn how to do this and learn how to monetize your content. And then I also think there are so many more brands who are spending money with people who are micro influencers or content creators all the way up to like really big content creators and influencers. And then I think brands are much more willing to spend now because back then you had to almost like convince people to gift you and convince people to invite you to fashion week or to events or to, you know, spend money with you because they're like, what? Like we aren't spending money with on Instagram. This is crazy. And so back then I think it was harder to work, but now it's harder to get into the industry, but there's also way more opportunity. Right. But also, aren't you happy that you launched when you did because you have built such a proof of concept and you have such a stronghold on that marketplace in a way, having been around from the beginning with some of the other girls that you mentioned? Yeah. I feel like you guys are the OGs and also have paved the way for so many of these new content creators. Yeah. And I can't believe how fast people really get overnight success on TikTok. It's crazy. Like if you look at someone like Addison Ray, it's like she posts and a year, a year and a half later, she's got a single, she's in a Netflix movie. She has all these opportunities. And so I think it's so crazy now how fast it can go. Cause I think before TikTok, you had to really grow slowly. You were gaining followers like a little bit over time. And with a platform like there, like the discoverability is so large, you can get millions of followers so, so fast. And so it's interesting, but I think the new generation of those girls on TikTok specifically, they have really smart teams around them. They're learning how to like leverage that platform to do other things now. So they're not just a TikToker. And I love seeing what they're being able to do. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how their career paths go because I'm like, I'm so excited by them. I just think what they're doing is great. Although sometimes I feel like I'm too old and it's a dog whistle that I don't hear. Do you know what I mean? Like I see Addison or Charlie or one of these girls dancing and I'm like, am I late to the party? Can you imagine ever doing a dance for TikTok? I am not coordinated. So (laughs) like dancing would not be my thing, but I do feel like TikTok is changing their algorithm a bit. So it's not about dancing anymore. It's more about like value. So it's like, am I teaching you something or am I entertaining you in some way? Are you 
gaining something from watching this video that like you want to continue to scroll on this app. And so for me, like, I feel like I learned all these like random life hacks from these people on TikTok that I'm like, I would have never seen this. And I think people are liking the platform because it's an even playing field. So like, no matter if you have one follower, a million on there, if you post a video, everyone has equal odds of having a video go viral. And not only is it great for creators, but it's really amazing for brands. And if a brand has a product go viral on there, it can become like an instant bestseller at a retailer. And it's just amazing. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's really interesting also from your vantage point now as someone who's occupying both of those seats with Summer Fridays and now as a brand founder, you see the power that that has for your brand as well as you as a content creator. So I'm sure that that gives you an extra edge as well. Yeah, I think for us with Lauren and I both being working influencers still, when we're working through our influencer marketing strategy, we're thinking of it not only as a brand, but as the creator who is receiving this information. So are you giving me creative freedom? Do I have enough talking points where I have the information I need, but I can also say it in a way that I know resonates with my audience. And I think it gives us a little bit more flexibility when we're working with people to let them do their thing because we don't like being micromanaged as far as like, you know, when we receive product information. And so it's interesting. And I also am very interested when I see the data at the end of a campaign to see how well stuff is converting, how many swipe ups people are getting, what people's story views looks like. And it's crazy. Some of the views people get and the swipe ups. I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this because like I know compared to like what I get, what they're doing is like wild. I know. Well, it it definitely, it has that wild, wild west kind of vibe that I think probably early days to Instagram, it was the same thing. And now I just think with the algorithm being what it is, I know there's a lot of frustration with people not feeling like you said, it is the level playing field that it used to be. And so I think that that's why so many people are probably heading to these other platforms, but let's talk about how you feel about social media kind of holistically. So, so many of us have a complicated relationship with it, but especially when, like you said, it's an integral part part of business, how do you regulate separating your work from your personal knowing, like you said earlier, that it does have an effect on you. Like sometimes the more that you are scrolling or the more influence that you're seeing from various different people making you feel one way or another, are you impervious to that? Or do you have to regulate your time? So I do give myself a timer. I have an hour and a half on Instagram and 30 minutes on TikTok a day. And then when it gets to that time, it alerts me. You have 15 minutes, you have five minutes left. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it locks it. And sometimes I do go back in after like my allowed amount of time if I have to go do something, but at least it's an alert to me to know. And I know an hour and a half on Instagram sounds like a lot of time, but it's really not if you're thinking about I'm posting content for myself. I'm looking to see what Summer Fridays is doing. I'm looking to see what other people are doing because I want to still be aware of the industry that I'm in. So I do like to scroll and see what's happening on there. I think unfollowing or muting people that don't make you feel good is really important. Um, If you feel bad on following a friend, you can mute them and then just go check in on them every once in a while. So if there's something that's like bothering you, like let's say it's whether you're trying to get pregnant or you're trying to like work out or whatever it is, if you're seeing someone on there who has this thing that you want and it's making you not feel good, it's okay to mute them and just have it out of your eyesight. Because on Instagram, it's almost like you're scrolling and you're not even expecting to see something and then something pops up and then it might upset you. Yeah, it's jarring. Yeah, and so I think... Mute is like such a great feature. And then I think for me too, what's helped is not sharing my personal life. And I think that's where my boundary is of what is work and what I share on social and where is like my personal life of what I do like nights and weekends. And there had to be some sort of 
break for me. If not, then I, I was going to feel like I was living my life online 24 seven, which I didn't want to do. And so for me personally, just sharing in that sort of way has been the best for me. So then I do feel like I have some time off from work because if not, everything is on. And I feel like there's a slippery slope of like, once you start sharing things personally, the expectation is always more and people want more and more from you. And it's like, okay, well, you shared this, like I want this next thing. Or if you share something one time, people expect that you will always share about this thing. And so I've tried to be really mindful of to what extent I share of my personal life. Right. And I think that that's really good. It's like you have to know your own boundaries and you have to know what your trigger points are in terms of finding the issues that might trouble you so that you can mute them. I wish there was a mute button in real life. You know what I mean? (laughs) So (laughs) many things. But I have a question for you because I use your filter a lot and I'm basically like looking like you. I want to know which filter do you use? Oh, I love them both. So Life With Me was like the first one that came on and it it gives you like a little bit of like a bronzy look. Oh, it does. It does. Yes. And then the California one is the second one I came out with and then that just doesn't have it because I didn't like the filters that like change your face where it's like morphing your face into something else. But I did like it just like a little bit like brighter and like more alive. And so I think people have liked those filters because it's like just enough without being like such a crazy filter, like some of the other ones. Yeah, no, I I love that filter. Okay. So you launched a skincare brand summer Fridays three years ago now. Can you believe it's been three years? I know. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Like sometimes it's felt so much longer than that. Like I can't believe my life before Summer Fridays. And sometimes I'm like, I can't believe so much has happened so quickly. Right. Well, something that always interests me when I'm talking to brand founders is how honest everyone has been in acknowledging how many blind spots there are for them along the way. And I wonder if that resonates with you. I think you don't know what you don't know. So going into it, for us, ignorance was bliss. And had we known how difficult it was, had we known how what it would become and like the challenges that come along with it, maybe it would have deterred us from starting. And so I think, you know, taking stuff a year at a time or a chunk at a time or whatever is like next on your to-do list is much more manageable than knowing like what would have been to come. And I think for us too, we launched with one product, which we felt really strongly about that. But I think had you listened to other people in the industry, that's not really like the advice that people have because you usually launch a line. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, you have like a a whole assortment and a routine. And with one product, it's high risk, high reward. So if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, then you've bombed for the quarter and you your finances are no good. And so I think for us, had we known all of like the risks that got into that, maybe we would have had a different approach, but because we didn't know any better and we chose to go that way, it, it ended up working out for us. So we were really grateful for that. Yeah, definitely not, not the traditional way to launch a brand. I mean, I understand it from both sides, because like you said, I do also think that there's something about developing your community and taking the time to understand what they're going to want, what resonates, what works, what doesn't. But I wonder for you, what do you feel has come more naturally in terms of launching a brand and then running a business ultimately? Which parts do you feel have come more naturally for you and which elements of running the company have been more of a challenge? So I'm definitely more on the creative side now. And so I think, you know, externally we're building a brand and we're building brand awareness and product and marketing and all the things you see. But internally, being only three years old, we're still building a company internally and building our team and the culture and leadership styles. And so when Lauren and I started the business, we started working on it in 2016 
we launched in 2018. And from 2016 until 2019, we were running the business ourselves. And we had never run a company before. We had never started a business before. And it got to the point where we knew at the rate we were growing and as big as it was becoming, it would be a disservice to our company to continue to be the ones to run it. And we have no ego in knowing that there's things we don't know and hiring people who know how to do the things we don't know better. And we brought on a CEO about a year ago now, and he's incredible. He's just the best. And we went through a really long process. It was about a year long process of meeting and interviewing any and everyone ultimately found like the best partner for us to work with us on the brand. And thankfully now we have somebody running the business side because it's getting to the point now where we're like, I don't even know how we would have figured out how to do these things we would have had to do, you know, as far as like the business side of having a company. Right. Well, what about taking victories? Would you describe yourself as being very goal oriented or are you more fluid and take things as they come? I am very goal-oriented. I'm looking down to the left of me and I have my vision board for this year. I make a vision board every single year. You know, it's like a mood board on the front, but on the back is like tangible written out goals. And then that's for my personal and professional life. And then within Summer Fridays, we have goals that we set for each department so that everybody knows what they're working towards. And I think goals are important because you need to know what you're working towards or why are you doing this thing? So if you're having a rough day or long hours or the days when you're feeling frustrated, you know, there's a reason why it's not for nothing. And you're doing it because you're working towards this thing that you want. So goals are really important for me, but in a way also fluid because I think goals can change. You can either hit that goal earlier than you thought and you need to make it a moving target and maybe change the goal. Or maybe with COVID last year, things happened and you thought, okay, we were going to do this, but now with store closures, we need to adjust and you need to change those goals based on you know what's happening in the world. And so goal-oriented with fluidity. Yeah, no, I like that. And so you put personal goals on there though as well. Yes. So are you, do you feel like you're able to enjoy the successes and the victories that you do have, or are you always placing fulfillment around the next bend? I think it's something that I struggle with is I'm trying to be more present and I'm trying to enjoy the moment instead of always worrying about the future, because I do always like think ahead and I'm always trying to like plan ahead. So it's something that I'm working on and I know that I need to like not do that as much and just enjoy what's happening today. So it's a struggle that I have. And so not perfect, but I would like to be more present and I would like to enjoy more of like what's currently going on. But I'm kind of like always like such like a future thinker that it's hard for me. Right. What are what are some of your tricks for staying motivated while taking stock in the things that you have done? Like I'm sure that you look at how far you've come in the last three years. And when you take that time to look at it, I'm sure it's pretty awe-inspiring as far as some of the goals that you've hit, the goals you've surpassed. But what what are your day-to-day tricks for staying focused and staying motivated? I don't know that I have any tricks, but in my gratitude journal, I'll just flip through and I'll write myself a note, like, how are you doing with your goals? And it kind of stops me and reminds me to like, go look at my vision board or go look at the goals that I have for the year and see what I'm doing. And am I still on track with these things that work for me? And then on the background of my phone, I have words that I wanted to set for myself for the year as intentions. And so every time I unlock my phone, I see it. I'll read you the words right now. So it's appreciate better, build compassion, consistency, contribute, discipline, enjoy, growth, health, patience, present, like I said, purpose and simplify. And so every time I'm looking at my phone, 
phone, I'm trying to remind myself of these words that are really important. And so by having those visual reminders, every time I unlock my phone, I'm seeing these things that I want to be working on, which are like my personal goals. Wait, I love that. So that's something that you see on your phone every time that you click it on, just as a reminder. Every single time. <laughs> this is better than a TM mantra. <laughs> it's it's helpful for me because like I was just saying, like I'm trying to like focus on enjoying the present moment. So by having the word present, and then I forgot to say earlier, something else that I have is I have two cell phones and on my main cell phone, I don't have Instagram or TikTok. And so it's on my second phone. So when I go out and do things, I have my main phone with me, but I'm not mindlessly checking Instagram when I'm at the a stoplight or at the grocery store. It's like, I have my time when I go and look at my phone and that's my social apps are on my work phone. And then my personal phone is, you know, to text people and call people and check my emails, but I'm not spending all of my time on there. And so I think it's not for everybody, but for me, having a separate work and personal phone has been really helpful. Wait, I love that. Well, that brings me to my next question, which I always say is a trigger word, but balance. You talked about that a little bit, dedicating an equal amount of time to your personal goals as to your professional goals. And I remember, I don't know if I heard this one time or if I read this, but when you were hosting that you used to go to sleep at like eight o'clock every night and get up (laughs) at four or five, right? It was insane. It was very crazy. So how long did you do that for? I did that for two years. So every day for two years, I didn't go to dinner. I didn't see my friends. I went to sleep so early. I drove to work in North Hollywood in the dark, but I knew that I was doing that for a reason. So I think that's why goals are important. So did I like waking up and not seeing my friends all the time? No, but I knew that I was working towards what I wanted in my life. And so I think at that point in time, there wasn't really balance, but I knew it was goal oriented. I also think in your 20s, that's the time where you can put in the work and do like this kind of grind. It wasn't easy then, but it was easier than it would be now. And then with balance, I think it's hard. I have no balance. I am a full-time influencer, which alone, like the work that I have is full-time. And most people have a team of people and I'm doing all that kind of stuff, like mostly by myself. And then summer Fridays, Lauren and I are the co-founders. We have a team of people, but it's still, that's a full business in itself. And then I added podcasts in the last year. And you know, it's like, that's a whole other time commitment. So between those three things, there's not really balance, but I'm okay with it. Right. And you probably have to prioritize by creating your own value system. So I imagine that that changes year to year based on where you want to put your focus. Like you said, if you have a goal that you're working towards, you are willing to give up some of the things like the friends, dinners, and the birthdays and all the things that went along with it. But maybe when you reach another point, you have to kind of scale back so that you can accommodate more of that real life in your life. Somebody told me it's the basis of it was like, it's easier to work harder in your twenties and enjoy your life, you know, later, because the harder you work when you're younger, the better it pays off later. And I forget exactly how it was worded. They worded it much better than what I said it, but it was essentially like put in the work now to enjoy it later. Cause you're going to be older a lot longer than you're younger. Oh God. <laughs> I've always thought about that. And it's so true. And now in my thirties, I'm so grateful for the life I created for myself when I was working and doing those things in my twenties. And then hopefully in my forties, fifties, sixties, I will be so grateful for what I did in my thirties. And so as each decade progresses, I hope to like, you know, do what I can to better myself as I get older. Oh my gosh. Well, I know that I will be taking that trick of putting some affirmations and reminders in my phone and doing that as soon as you and I get off. What are your go-to apps or anything that are sort of you are can't live without? 
So I love the done app. It's just done and it's where you can put daily habits in. So you can put how many times you want to do something or how many times a day or how many times a week so that you can remember to do certain things. So on there, I would have like, I'm really bad about drinking water. So it's like drinking four bottles of water a day, eating vegetables three times a day because I'm terrible at eating vegetables. I try my best, Um, but it's also like working out and meditating my gratitude journal, making my bed. And it's just, it's very like easy to use. So I love the done app. That's probably the best one that I have. Another really great one is photo cleaner. So we all have so many photos on our phones. And when you're going to try to look for something or I'm trying to turn in sponsored content, it's so difficult if I have so much stuff. So I'll just go to photo cleaner and it kind of cleans out like duplicate photos in your phone. And so you don't have so much junk because if not, I'll have like 10,000 images in my phone and I can't find anything. I love that one. And then this past year couldn't live without Slack and Zoom. Mariana, it's been such a pleasure. Let me ask you a question now, knowing what you know and having the experience that you have, what would having it all look like to you today? Ooh, I would have work-life balance. I would take care of myself. That's mind, body, and soul. I would have a career that fulfills me that, you know, I'm passionate about and getting to do work that really actually like makes me happy. And I think in the last year, I've really missed human connection. And I usually somebody who like loves to be home and I don't want to go to anything. And now I think having it all would include spending time with the people that I care about in person, being present with them. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't follow you, where can they find you? You can follow me at Mariana underscore Hewitt on Instagram. My podcast is called Life with Mariana. New episodes every Tuesday. So we have Summer Fridays available, Sephora, Net-A-Porter, Revolve. You can find it at every Sephora store and summerfridays.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you in person very soon. Thank you. Having It All in Other Lies is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow me on Instagram at Sarah underscore Riff and the show at Having It All podcast. See you next week.